Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 17th episode of the Gahoo's podcast. I'm your co-host, Shake, with your other co-host, Max, Sami, and Alex. So we have plenty of topics to talk about. So let's get into the first topic. I mean, the obvious, pretty obvious right now. The finals going on right now. Um, game three was just last night. Bucks versus Suns. Thoughts on the series so far? Bucks and six. Bucks and six. Bucks and six. Rest in peace, Brandon Jennings. Oh. (laughs) Uh, I just want to say, I just want to say that uh, Giannis is having one of the greatest playoff runs that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Agreed. And like, hardly anyone's talking about it. And that kind of drives me nuts. I saw the uh, the Shaq statistic, like they were posting today, about how he's like having like the most dominant finals run ever since then, like 40, 10 in consecutive games, yep. 60%. Insane. I also don't know if you guys saw this, but they included LeBron on that graphic. <laughs> yeah. And it just like, wasn't true. Really? Yeah. Really? Like, Le- yeah. Hmm. Oh, wow. like it was a false, <laughs> it was a false graphic. Uh, LeBron had back to back 40 point games. And one mm-hmm. of them was a 40 and 10 game, but the, the one after that was a 40 points and eight rebounds game. But for some reason, was the graphic had him on it. And I was like, y'all got to put LeBron in everything, don't you? Yeah. It, was, it was the same thing. I don't know if you guys saw uh, when – I don't follow soccer like that either. But, like, I think Messi, like, you know, like Argentina. <laughs> dude, yeah, they put LeBron yeah. in that somehow. Bro. Wait, wait. Wait, how? Yeah, they were like, some championships just mean more. And I'm like, shut up. I, like, yeah. let Messi have his yeah, moment. LeBron, man, he's a universal, I guess, now, you know? It's, yeah. That's just too much, man. That's just too much. <laughs> they're just doing yeah, too much. Yeah. ESPN's got to get that cloud every now. I got to get, you know, actually a little LeBron cloud in. But, I mean, overall. <laughs> how can we like, make this about LeBron? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So far, uh, like, the first two games, dude, like, I mean, everyone knows this. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, they were underwhelming. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Giannis was amazing every single game. I mean, I think, I I can't, honestly, I can't think of one game where Giannis was that below, game, like, below elite, honestly, in the playoffs. I, I honestly can't think of one game this playoffs where he's been below elite. And he's been amazing this finals run, this whole playoffs run. And Bucks is six, honestly, I, I can see it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won all the way through. I don't think that they're going to be able to. Listen, pull. I don't. Want, I don't want to get carried away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be be able to pull off that type of run just because the Suns are just like such a well-oiled oiled machine. Like everybody's like doing their thing for the most part. Like they scored 118 in like the first two games consecutively. So like that shows they're kind of just that model of consistency. Like Chris Paul, for the most part, he's going to show up every night, get his like 15 and 10 at least. You know, he might go off for, like, another 37. But, like, for the most part, you know what you're going to get from the Suns. Whereas I feel like the Bucks, they're kind of more of a toss-up, like we said. That's true. Like, if Middleton and Drew really aren't hitting their shots, like, I, I don't think the Bucks have as much of a shot. Unless Giannis is, like, taking, like, you know, that, that 2018 LeBron, like, that next step. Like, you know, like, even though he can, once again, talking about LeBron, you know. But, like, that's just kind of what I see is, like, the ultimate, like, put your team on your back. Like, let me show you what I can do. I also want to point out his free throw shooting. Like, it's obviously yeah. been a meme this entire, like, playoff run. But, yeah. dude, his playoff or his uh, free throw shooting in the finals has been, like, pretty good for his standards. And, like, 
the hack a Giannis thing that the Suns have been doing isn't necessarily like a viable strategy anymore. Like he took, what was it? He made like 15 of 18 free throws in game three. I think I remember like it was, that. it was like a primary stat. Like it was one of the like premier yeah. stats I saw because of how many he made. Yeah, uh, it was, it was, it was like the fact that he's able to like get 15 points off of free throws. Like the man had 40, 40 points. Was it 41, 40 points? Uh, he it's had like, uh, 41 points him. and he went 13 for 17, 76% from free throws. Really good for him. Yeah. 13 for 17. Yeah. It's like, you can't, you can't just hack him at this point. Like yeah. the Suns are going to have to figure out something different. If Giannis is hitting his free throws. Cause it's like, you're giving up literally uh, 13 points. Like that's an entire like leads worth of points right there. Like you need those 13 points. And if Giannis is hitting his free throws, like that's a whole extra 13 points that they get onto, you know, their total and on his stat line. It's like, you're screwed. If he's hitting his free throws like that, you got to figure something else out. Yeah. And even the game before that, he went 11 for 18, which is still like 60%, you know? So like you said, like, I feel like it's good for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you put it in like the bigger, like, I guess, like, span of, like, the playoffs and stuff. And, like, the more you hack him, obviously, like, the more comfortable he's going to get, like, t- hitting those shots. I feel like the less you hack him, like, the like statistically, I just feel like it works out, you know, where, like, more compressed, he's going to be more iffy, more closer to 50 cent. But the, oh. the big fan, I don't know, shake your belly. No, with- I, I think I, I understand what you're saying. Like, maybe, like, the the pressure is more because it's less free throws. Because when you're hitting, I mean, I, I guess I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. And also, I think like the countdown thing is he just kind of become accustomed to it at this point. Like, yeah. the, the, I think that countdown is actually looking yeah. up on him. And I saw it was yeah. like I think a funny thing. Something I saw on Reddit. It was like instead of counting down to ten, the Suns fans should just count ten to ten. Like they, oh, they just yeah. count ten ten times to like mess with them. Like I don't know. It, it was like some weird like mental strategy they were trying to like figure out where they would just count ten. Like 10, 10, 10, 10, instead of 1 through 10. I was like, bro, what in the world? But I, I, Giannis has been going crazy. I mean, it's really going to be dependent on if Chris Milton can be consistent and Drew Holiday can be consistent. I mean, that's literally all it comes down to. I think Drew Holiday just needs to stop shooting the ball. I, I mean, Drew Holiday has never been like – he's not a scorer. He's never been a guy that has like – if you look at the regular season, I think he was taking something like like – 12 uh, field goal attempts per game. And then in the playoffs, it's gone up. And I'm like, honestly, like you're not a premier scorer. Uh, he's been a decent finisher throughout his career, but in the playoffs, particularly his layup selection is really, really bad. Uh, it's not like he's a lights out three point shooter. He takes these really crummy mid range pull up jump shots at the, at the top of the elbow. It's like, you're not you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Yeah, ah, <laughs> it's like, I, knew, I knew that was should, coming. You should you should not you should not be taking those shots. And I I think they'd just be better off. Like give more shots to Giannis, give more shots to Chris Middleton, because we've seen Chris Middleton is a player who in the first half he usually starts off slow. But quarter three yep. rolls around and he, like Chris Middleton is one hundred percent a player where he sees a shot go in, he's gonna make five in a row after that. He's going to come down the court and he's going to drain just shot after shot after shot after shot. And you can run your offense through him for the next seven or eight possessions because he's just like locked in. Right. With Drew Holiday is bringing the ball down and he's disrupting that flow that Chris Middleton needs to get into because he's taking these really crummy layups and really crummy pull up jump shots from the elbow. It's like, 
well, Chris Middleton's not able to get going, and Chris Middleton is a way better scorer than Drew Holiday is. So you need him and Giannis, like, be those focal points of the offense. Drew Holiday, you're not the focal point of this offense. You are there to play defense, and you are there to get the ball into Giannis or Chris Middleton's hands. He's a great player, former All-Star. He's a very, very good defender most of the time. So it's like, you just need to stop shooting, man. Just stop shooting. No, I I 100% agree. Like, I was actually – the funny thing is I was actually looking at, like, Drew Holiday's touches earlier today, and like I was, like, thinking, like – like because I've seen him, like, touch the ball way too much. Like, even though he's a point guard, like, I was thinking, like, this man is touching the ball way too much. And he he averages more touches than Chris Fall, uh, Chris Milton, Giannis, obviously. Uh, Jason Tatum did. Bradley Beal did. Kawhi did. Donovan Mitchell did. It's like... He's he's touching the ball too. I think I mean it's okay he touches the ball, but he is shooting way too much. And I think he feels like he has to play hero ball sometimes. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I agree. He's shooting way too I, much. I've got a hot take, and, and maybe you guys won't agree with this. And this is like maybe maybe a hotter take than I think it is. Maybe it's not. Chris Middleton should be bringing the ball up for the Bucks every single time. Chris Middleton in the pick and roll. With Giannis, Chris Middleton is already, like, I believe last season he averaged uh, seven assists per game, and then this season he averaged, like, six and a half or something like that. It's like, Chris Middleton is a good playmaker. Do you want him being your point guard at all times in every single situation? No. But Chris Middleton in the pick and roll with Giannis is one of the most unstoppable plays throughout the playoffs so far. It is absolutely mind-blowing to me that they do not spam that the entire game because Chris Middleton is so, so good at finding Giannis as a lob threat. And if he can just get the ball to Giannis, it creates all this confusion in the paint because you've got two defenders collapsing on Giannis. Chris Middleton is a fairly good off-ball player. He can run around the court, get get open, and have Giannis, who is a fairly solid playmaker, honestly. Giannis can find him for a shot, and it creates all these dis- defensive mismatches when you've got the pick and roll with Chris Middleton and Giannis, and you're going to get a shot no matter what. I'd say probably, like, it seems like 90% of the time when they run the Chris Middleton and Giannis pick and roll, it results in a bucket. I don't know no, why they don't do I, it more. I, yeah. I agree. Like, they're both, they're both ballers on that team. And, like, and when you're, like, running that pick and roll, the def- the defense doesn't know what to do because first you got Giannis rolling to the rim and then Middleton, you know, he can pull up for a mid-range or whatever the case is. But yeah, I, I was looking at the assists too because I always thought Chris Middleton was a great playmaker. Like even before, he's it was he averaged four assists last year and like five assists this year. But there's like Drew Holiday now. And oh, then I was way off. <laughs> no, but like Giannis is like, Giannis still averages like six, seven assists too. So, I mean, you're, I mean, yeah, you're well, close on that. I was about to say that the numbers don't really show it, though, because Chris yeah. Middleton has I had plenty of games this year with, like, 13, 15 assists, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's it's kind of, like, to me, I think it's kind of old and played out that Giannis is, like, the main facilitator on the team because that's how they used to have it. They used to have it where he was the point guard and he would bring it down the court and stuff like that. But now, like, you do have such a versatile offense with, like, Chris Middleton expanding into, like, this huge role, you know, that he wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Like, Drew Holiday, like, yeah, you guys were just saying, like, he does take away too many, like, too many touches from, like, Middleton and, like, maybe Giannis. 
he was definitely shooting way more than Middleton the past couple of games. And but, yeah. but, but exactly, like if, if they if they would just kind of make more of an emphasis to put the ball in Middleton's hand more. Like Alex said, like I've seen numbers, I've seen like a couple of charts throughout the playoffs showing like how unstoppable that like pick and roll is. Just a couple guys on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it's just insane how like a, you know they just don't go to that all the time. He's a great three point shooter. Me and my friend Wolf, we were uh, shout out Ethan Wolf. We, for some reason, we get in like these debates with Chris Middleton and like other shooting guards throughout history and who he compares with. And we've kind of been on this like him versus Reggie Miller wave lately, like I've said. Reggie Miller? Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. You know, yeah, very interesting. It, it, well, we are just thinking like we, we, we didn't see Reggie Miller growing up much. So we were kind of like, you know, kind of put in pers- into perspective like who he is and how good he is and stuff like that. So we were looking at like a couple of his numbers and stuff like that and like watching his old highlights. And for some reason, like it just came off as like, you know, him and Chris Middleton, like, I don't know. I, I feel like Chris Middleton, I don't think that he has the potential to lead the squad to the extent that like Reggie Miller does by any means. But I think you could make an argument that Chris Middleton, like, could belong in that like status with Reggie Miller, the way he's able to score on offense, facilitate a little bit, and he plays defense. He he could honestly go down as like a Hall of Fame type player. Uh, I wouldn't say all. Reggie Miller was one of the like the best shooters of his era, arguably well, the best, best shooter of his era. Sure. Yeah, and like I, I'm just talking about as an all around player though. I get, I, I I see similarities. I see similarities. Yeah, I, I just don't think Milton is like the is that guy. He's just not that yeah, guy. Like, yeah, not that guy. But I don't know. It was it was just interesting to kind of. That, that's what, I, mean, I always thought he was like a he was Katie Light. I, that's how I always saw him. He's very in the way he plays. He's very much like that mid range fadeaway. He yep. loves that. Um, he's able to hit contested threes because he's got like a crazy long wingspan for yep. his size. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely like a diet KD. Yeah, I wish I was KD late. One thing before in this topic is uh, I just want to bring up is that um, the fact that yesterday Aiden was foul troubled and that, that was a big reason for them that they won the game yesterday. Um, because of the fact that the Suns, they're very undersized against the Bucks, And even though they have multiple people that can score 20, like Chris Paul and then Devin Booker or, or like – uh, who's, 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 Mikhail uh, Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, all these guys are like able to like score, but like you know they were out rebounded the whole game yesterday most of the time. And then the fact that they can't really have another body that can like you know put up a fight against Giannis is legit. What you know propel them to win the game. And I feel like if they want to like keep on the series, like you know win and like in six or something, they need to like you know attack like this Aiden because the fact that they don't really have another player besides him, like who's the other guy, the white dude. He uh, uh, Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, he's not gonna do nothing. <laughs> he's really just not there. Yeah, he's he, was, he was lost the whole time. He got subbed, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, put in, and then the fact that like their other tallest guy, like they put Crowder on Giannis. And oh, Crowder was, like, was doing nothing. On yeah, he was, was. You know, so the fact that I feel like going forward, I think they're gonna keep on doing that. And then the Bucks, like in general, play better at home, and that was not a question. You know, going into like, oh, the Bucks are not gonna like you know get swept. I feel like the Bucks are gonna put up a five, but like the fact that whoever wins the next home, like the uh, away game, is gonna be like the final, like you know, the big factor of who's gonna win the series. Like, but like you know, the Bucks. I feel like the Bucks have like they they've done what they did. Like they get they did the what's it called against the Nets. They were down two. They did it. So like they have experience throughout this playoffs to do it. 
but um, I guess Suns are like they don't have a big you know big man that can like you know. I, actually, yeah, I didn't think of, actually. You're right. That's actually a great point. Like DeAndre Aiden being in foul trouble that really hurt them. The Suns specifically because they didn't have anybody else. Like because Aiden was going off in the first. I think it was the first quarter he had 12 points or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. I think like they gotta they gotta be aggressive in the paint. Um, it, it comes down to that and Middleton and uh, Drew Holiday being you know at least somewhat average on efficiency wise. Um, going to the next topic, uh, this is a little topic that's been you know kind of floating around for a little bit. Uh, should the 76ers trade Ben Simmons, even though everyone's saying they're not going to trade Ben Simmons, or like everyone from the 76 saying they're not trading Ben Simmons? Or do you think they should still keep him and like try to win with Ben Simmons despite trade him? <laughs> trade him. Trade him. Trade him. Lonzo Ball became a great three point shooter after coming into the NBA Man. and being terrible. Uh, DeAndre Jordan learned how to shoot free throws. There's no excuse. Ben Simmons just has a crappy work ethic. He has a crappy attitude. He cares more about playing video games and yes. hanging out with Kardashians than he does <laughs> getting better at basketball. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so over the Ben Simmons thing. That's all I'm going to say on this topic. Uh, they need to trade him. And whoever gets stuck with him, I mean, have fun. Screw Ben Simmons. This is a Ben Simmons hate <laughs> yeah, podcast. Screw Ben Simmons. Let's get it. Yes, sir. I, mean, I also feel like they should trade him, but I feel like they're not going to because, like, the value for him is, like, legit so low. Like, they could they should have traded him before this season if they really wanted yeah. to trade him. I, like, you know, hard nobody, to trade. Like, <laughs> So the value really isn't that low for them, though. If they actually got offered like Malcolm Brogdon, like they declined, I can't that, believe. And, like I don't know actually, why they did that. Is a crazy. That. I didn't. I don't know that. why. That would have been actually that, a great right? trade for them, to be honest with you, because like oh, sure. Brogdon would instantly bring shooting instantly. And he's, well, and he's like he's not an equal defender as Ben Simmons, yeah. but like if he's Ben Simmons defender. is like elite level, Malcolm Brogdon is still way above average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Also, a great passer. Like you know, even now those talks of like. Oh, even now there's like talks of like Simmons, like uh, like Sacramento for De'Aaron Fox. Like, I saw that. like a bunch. Like, I don't around. like honestly. I think, I think that would be perfect. Like it kind of gives like Ben Simmons like a slap in the face, you know, like dump him in like a shitty franchise like Sacramento where like nothing's ever really happened. And then like you send Fox to Philly, and like I, I think Fox and Philly would be a great fit. You know, he's not. A great, he's not a great three point shooter. He's like kind of average to below average, but he can. But he's just willing to shoot it. Maybe like, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. shooters, bro. That man doesn't even shoot. <laughs> so if, if you're if you're, if you're a thirty percent three point shooter at this point in the NBA, that's fine. Like you don't need to be like. Obviously, you want someone to be like at least a 35 percent three point shooter. But like, if you can hit thirty percent of your uh, three point shots, like you're good. You're it's like you can live with that. Like John Morant. Open threes, you know, it's being respectable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, he just said at this point. I mean, we can move on to the next topic. I don't even like. To, I, I I didn't even realize we had this topic still in here. Um, gets me, gets me out. I know. It was, <laughs> I, I guess I got a little scared. Then I'm gonna lie. Um, so I I I posted this on the my uh, the hoops queue a couple of days ago, and it was like a huge topic. It was like I think it was like hundred comments plus on it. Uh, do you think? This current Suns team right now could make the finals if it was replaced with 2017 Westbrook instead of CP3. It's 2017 MVP Westbrook. You said no. Why? No. Why? (laughs) Why? Okay. So I I think no because of the fact that 
CP3 and Westbrook have different play styles. Westbrook, it was like, in this MVP, he was definitely not like the playmaker that CP3 is or ever will be. And like, even, even when he wants to shoot the ball or like his efficiency shooting the ball is not, not even close. His, his, his shooting through three points percent, it was like 31% from the three point range. And he was a volume shooter. So I feel like the fact that they have Devin Booker already and then they got like all these other players that, you know, that like, you know, they, they can create buckets for themselves besides D book, but like they need a, like a, just a pure playmaker. So that's the fact. And then the fact that Westbrook as defensive, I don't know if CBT how good defensive he is, but like, I feel like Westbrook is overhyped and defensively. Westbrook's a better defender. Westbrook's a better defender than Chris Paul. Really? I would say so. I don't so. know. Man. Mm, Just based uh, on athletic. Current Chris Paul is not the defender that 2017 MVP Westbrook was. Yeah, I think he was. 2017, yeah. Westbrook was at peak athleticism. And, I mean, current Chris Paul does not hold a candle defensively to 2017. Russ. I think, I think Westbrook led the league. In but carry on, continue, before. continue. I'm going to let you talk, and then I'll... Well, no, no, no. no. I, I think I'm done. I just, I just feel like, you know, CP3 okay. is a perfect point guard for them. I just don't think Russell Westbrook, even though he's MVP Westbrook, he's not, he wouldn't do like a... Like, I think they, he wouldn't have a, you know, impact on... They'd probably lose the playoffs in the second round or something like that. You oh, know, okay. I, I feel like that's, you know, his play style just doesn't... It's not for that team, you know? So... So, yeah. I was thinking in the shower earlier. Like, <laughs> no, in the shower. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking in the shower hard. I was thinking long and hard about this topic because, like, I was thinking about like watching 2017 Westbrook and his play style. I think honestly fits the Phoenix Suns perfectly. Ooh. He was doing so much pick and roll with like uh, Stephen Adams, Adams back then. Like, yeah, that would be perfect with DeAndre. And like, he was he was so like adapted to throwing like the perfect lob to Adams, dumping off a little pass once he got down low. And like, if you would if you think about it, like if Westbrook actually had shooters on that team aside from like Andre Roberson, Alex Sabonis, like, like what? They were using, they were using Sabonis as a as three a point shooter. small forward, three and yeah. three and D wing. It's like. It, it doesn't. It does. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. If if you if you actually put Westbrook with like a talented squad on that 2017 team, they'd probably be a top three team. And the thing about like Chris Paul shooting, like he honestly doesn't take that many threes a game. He only takes like two to three. Whereas like 2017, Russ was at least hitting like you know close to 35 percent. So I honestly think that like 2017, Russ was like made for this Phoenix Suns team. I think the Suns would be the favorites for the championship right now if they had 2017 MVP Westbrook. I think, like, <laughs> do want to, I, p- people are starting to realize it more, and I'm thankful for that. But 2017 MVP Westbrook, I mean, in my opinion, that's one of the greatest individual seasons I've witnessed in my entire life. Valid. Like, Averaging a 30-point triple-double, leading the league in scoring, and dragging that sorry Thunder team to, what was it, the sixth seed? I think sixth seed, yeah, sixth seed. I think fifth or sixth seed. It was fifth, I think. I'm like, yeah, I think it's fifth seed. It was fifth or sixth seed. Yeah. One of the greatest individuals. 2017 MVP Russ is up there, like, with so many all-time great seasons. Like, that's one of the most mind-blowing seasons I've ever seen in my life. This team, I mean, you look at the tools that 2017 MVP Russell Westbrook had. He had Victor Oladipo way before his prime. 
he had Sabonis, who was being utilized completely wrong and really hadn't developed his game as a center or even as a power forward. Who's a power forward for y'all? Yeah. Yeah. They were, Steven Adams was fine, but not like, I mean, Steven Adams was good for what, like 12 and eight a game? He's not DeAndre. He had Alex Abrinas. He had like Andre Roberson, who couldn't even shoot. It's Mm -hmm. like, give. Give 2017 MVP Russell Westbrook, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, this version of Cameron Payne. It's like, uh, yeah, man, they're going to the finals. No, no doubt they're going to the finals. And I understand Chris Paul is like considered a very winning player, but like, I'm not saying Chris Paul is overrated right now, but like, stat wise and everything, like. He's not having the biggest games in the world. He's had his big games throughout the playoffs so far, but he's not putting up like massive numbers every single night. That's the thing about Chris Paul is he's just going to do he's going to do what he needs to make sure that you get the win. But like you don't have to do what you need to do to get the win when you've got someone like Russell Westbrook who's literally dropping 30 points per game, 10 rebounds and 10 assists. Like you're probably not even in close games if MVP Westbrook is on the Suns team because if he's dropping 30, 10, and 10, Devin Booker's dropping at least 20 points per game. DeAndre Ayton's dropping at least 18 and 10 a game. It's like, uh, yeah, you're blowing teams out of the water most likely. That's, just I, my, that's my opinion. I, see, I was, I was going back and forth on this as well, and I had, I had CP3 initially, and then... I was thinking like Westbrook, like you guys, as you guys have all said, literally, like if he had the team that the Suns, like compared to like the OKC team to the Suns team right now, like it's huge talent disparity. But like w- one thing that always scares me about Westbrook is like the mental mistakes that he makes in the end of games. And like, that's what like, I think separates him between CP3. I, I still haven't made my, mis- like made up, you know, whether I would choose CP3 or Westbrook. But, like, the biggest thing that concerns me would be, like, the mental mistakes that Westbrook always makes in, in the end of games. And would those, you know, be showcased in the finals? Like, he always has, like, some costly turnovers and stuff like I, that. But you look in 2017, you look at his usage rate, and it was just absurdly high. I think he had the highest usage rate up to that point in NBA history. Yeah, he definitely. It's like, yeah, he... He did tend to make mistakes at the end of games, but if you gave him a good supporting cast, all that pressure isn't on him. He's got people like, you know, Devin Booker who can bail him out of a game. You've got DeAndre Ayton who we saw bail the Suns out of that one game against the Clippers where DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder lobbed that pass to him. It's like that pressure wouldn't all be on Westbrook. He would have a team around him to where his usage rate isn't as high. He's not the one who is counted on to make these shots at the end of games. So that's, that's just my, like, that's fair. Yeah. He does make a lot of mistakes and he deserves criticism for that. But at the same time, a lot of those mistakes would be negated because he would have a more competent supporting cast around him. I think that's fair. I I can, I mean, I can agree with that. I, I, I just know. I think the biggest thing is with me was like, if I were to choose CP3, like I know what I'm gonna get every single night. Like I'm gonna get like a I'm gonna get a full on veteran. Like he's not gonna make any like crazy mental mistakes in the end. Like I know what I'm getting with CP3. Like he's a veteran. He puts people in the right places defensively and all that. With Westbrook, it's like so you know it's very inconsistent. But MVP Westbrook was insane. Don't get me wrong. It's just like 
I, I get scared like by Westbrook in the playoffs and like those mental mistakes. That's I think that's literally what the biggest reason for me is why I would consider CP3 over 2017 MVP Westbrook because he literally does everything that CP3 does times two stats wise, uh, playmaking, scoring, uh, rebounding. I mean, I, I think in the end I would I would probably take 2017 Westbrook just because how dominating was. But I would definitely consider CB3. Like it's it's like fifty one forty nine for me. It's definitely worthy of let's, the time. Let's take it just yeah. I just real quick before we move on from this topic, this is wild, and I forgot how crazy this is. Yeah. In game one, uh in the twenty seventeen playoffs, Westbrook had uh twenty two, eleven and seven. In game two, he had fifty one, ten, and thirteen. In game three, he had 32, 12, and 11. In game four, he had 35, 14, and 14. And in game uh, game five, he had 47, 11, and 9. He averaged 37.4 games in that playoff series, 11.6 rebounds and 10.8 assists, two and a half steals as well, which is all. Yeah. yeah, I think he led the league in steals a year after, I'm pretty sure, with Paul George. Yeah, it was I'm something sure crazy not. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would take 2017 MV Westbrook in the end, but I would, as I said, I would do 5149. Like, it's worth a discussion, though. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, worth yeah, a discussion. Definitely. I think it, like I the think whole comment section was, fair. I think like the final poll, I think it had like 2,000 views on that poll I posted on my story. And like it was like 5149, I think CP3 won, but it was like 500 votes for like CP3 and like 400 votes for like Westbrook. It was just, Crazy insane, but yeah, definitely, definitely a good discussion right there. Um, this is a discussion I also saw on Reddit as well. Um, who do you think is the most aesthetically pleasing player to watch? I'm not saying like Kelly Oubre, like, I'm not saying like you know, like who's best looking, I'm saying like, as in, like, who do you look at and you're like, bro, like, he plays so like, like, you just watch him, and it's just like so smooth. Like, for me, it's Paul George. Like for me, it's Paul George. I think I'd probably go Paul George. I, I'd say, like, even Paul if he George. misses shots, it's a pretty yeah. shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> facts. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna say Paul George. People are saying Curry as well up there. I don't know, I don't know what's your thoughts on that. I, I like Curry. He just like smooth to me is someone who does things that like are fast in a yeah. way that it doesn't oh. appear fast. Curry to me, when I watch Curry play, it's like he's moving very fast. Like his dribbles are all very fast. His shot release is so quick. With Paul George, it's like he just split two defenders and like slammed it on people, but it looked beautiful at the same time. I'm like, <laughs> how does that even make I sense? Think, uh, I that, like, I mean, I always I love Paul George, and like that's because of like you know he's so smooth. But like I feel like that's also his con. Like you know he does he you know the fact that he's so smooth with it. He's it looks like he doesn't even try sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, you think yeah. it hurts him sometimes? Yeah, it hurts him sometimes, like because you know he doesn't go aggressive, like because like he has. The, oh, okay. You know, I, I can, I can start to hear what you mean. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. yeah. Sure. But like, sure, Paul George for me too. For me, a, a player that I've honestly been like getting really into lately is Jalen Brown, just because Ooh. you can tell Kyrie Irving was such a huge part of his development. Like, if you look at, like, Jalen Brown's highlights from, like, this year, mm-hmm. I see so much Kyrie Irving in him, just the way he – I mean, like, honestly, his handles have improved so much since the time that he's got in the league. That's a huge part as to why I think that, you know, he's one of my smoothest players to watch. But, like, just his, his shot selection, his patience, just the way he plays, like, it resembles Kyrie, except you factor in the fact that he's, like, 
six foot seven and has like elite athleticism, you know. I've so actually never I've heard been that. Watching like a highlights lately. So Jalen Brown is definitely one of my favorite players to watch right now. Just because I like, once again, you said it, he makes it look so effortless yet. He's like got a 30, like he's got an insane vertical. He's flying through the air. He's hitting clutch shots. He's hitting some nice mid range fadeaways. He's got smooth handles. He's like a light Paul George to me, if not like a future Paul George. Also give a shout out. This is kind of like going to be a cliche answer because everyone's like, Oh, he's the, best player in the league now, uh, or like top three best players in the league. Uh, I will say Luca is incredibly smooth. Like you watch him and for a guy like his size, I'm personally of the opinion that Luca could probably do to like lose a couple pounds this off season. But like for someone of his like stature and build his ability to like make things look effortless and smooth on the court, it's up there with anyone else in the league. It's, it's nuts. It's just why I, I love watching. I haven't enjoyed watching a player like Luca, like in my entire life. He's, he's, he might, yeah. he might be like, I think he's probably going to be like one of the best players I've ever seen in my life by the time it's all said and done. Like he's absurdly smooth. He looks so in control out there. Like you can tell the game slows down for him. So like discussions of smooth, I definitely agree. Paul George would probably be like my main pick, but I feel like Luca definitely deserves a shout out, even if it might be like, cliche to just throw all this praise on him like after he's already getting like touted as a future goat and i i agree with that yeah if you really watch his game like nearly everything he does is jaw dropping you know like this little pass that he's invented where he goes up for a jump shot and i'm like behind the back yeah yeah it's just one of like the most yeah exactly like who thinks of that you know like it's just insane like nearly everything he does and the fact like like you said, he's what, like six eight, like a little on like the like the husky, like kind of like chubbier side, and he's still like <laughs> getting by defenders, you know, like every game, getting to the buck, like getting to the rack easily. Mm. He'll hit like a dirt fadeaway, like a step back three, like he's like he's sneaky strong. Yeah, exactly. Like he'll muscle players too. He's like he's really got it all. That's why it's so fun to watch. Another ah, player. Yeah, I agree. I was trying to say, well, for me, like that I recently picked up watching, like I like watching was like Jason Tatum. Dude, I swear to God, I was thinking of him when he was. I swear to God, I was thinking of him. I swear to God, I was I was waiting to say that one. <laughs> I stole it from you, bro. It had to be, you know. So no, I, I love watching Jason Tatum. Like he's like, in my opinion, he's like, uh, like Paul George, but like you know, he, they're kind of similar. In my I think opinion. he's like a coming of Paul George. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, with he's like coming up of Paul George. I think too, because like, he's so smooth. Like he's triple teamed. He's still shooting over. Like. You know, the, the game looks so, like, slow, like, slow down. Yeah, exactly. So it was, like, so cool to watch. Um, But that Luca pass that you guys you were talking about, i never seen it. This, uh, my first time seeing that was, like, in the, in the Olympics when he did it in the Olympics. And I was like, damn, bro. Like, yeah, he didn't, that man legit 21 years old, 22. He's legit having fun. Like, he's not even, like, nothing. He's legit having fun there. Like, you know, playing with grown-ass men and, you know, and, and just having fun and getting paid for it. Like, you know, that's the life. Who's 16, man? He's been doing this for a while. Talking about Luca so much. Um, <laughs> I think Alex talked about this on I think I saw a tweet from him. I'm gonna just add this topic in real quick right now. Like the, the topic of if Luca and like you know the Slovenian team beat Team USA, which honestly, you know, they just lost to Nigeria, so it may not be it may not sound as hype right now, but beat Team USA and won the gold medal, would that be considered better than any of MJ's rings or any ring of NBA history. That's the most impressive 
that would be the most impressive like individual sports accomplishment I think ever. Uh, I, I, yeah. Uh, a lot of people I can't like, think. I can't think of aside from the miracle on ice. I think the miracle on ice has yeah, an argument, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. outside of those two, like I can't see anything else holding more value. That, yeah, well, I was literally thinking it's like Russians in hockey, you know, playing the Americans in basketball. Like this is this is kind of what we do, and like the fact that it's a team with like KD, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. Damian Lillard, like champions, all stars, like faces of the leagues, you know, and it's just Luca and like. Yeah, who's even on the side? Nobody else. Uh, there's no other NBA player, I'm pretty sure. There's one guy, I can't even think of his name right now, but he's a sniper. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, that would be Miracle on Ice worthy, like up there, just kind of one of a kind. It would deserve a movie. It would deserve a movie 100%. Oh, 100%. 100%. It, that's definitely going to be a flim clue. So cool, like, like 10 it's, years, it's, 20 years from now, but like if that happens, like they make a movie of it, like. You're like, yeah. Yo, I, I was there. I actually witnessed that shit. Like, not witnessed. Yeah, that's going to be the last dance part, too. Yeah, I was like, I watched yeah. it. You know, like, it's, it, it's, it's, cool. it's more impressive than any of Jordan's rings, more impressive than 2016 LeBron, more impressive than Dirk in 2011. Like, I can't think of any championship or winning event in bat. I mean, at the very least, it would be the most impressive achievement in basketball. basketball. Yeah. I can't Like, just that would be absurd. I don't think yeah. it's going to happen, but it would be absurd. Yeah. And if anyone can do it, it's Luca. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I was saying. I was like, if anyone can do it, it's Luca. I feel like even if they go to the final, that's like a great accomplishment, you know? Like, Yo, honestly, for yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. There's other really talented like teams like uh, yeah, Nigeria. Nice. They have a bunch of NBA players. Yeah. yeah. Nigeria, I would say, is like has an argument for like the second best best team. Yeah, I haven't really looked at the teams. I think Argentina has a good team. Serbia, like, oh, Serbia, Serbia always has a good squad. Spain Austria, always has yeah. a good squad. Um, yeah, yeah. Argentina has Luis Scola. Luis Scola, man, job like, I think 30 points and he's like 41 <laughs> right now. That's awesome. I don't know how Good for him, that. man. Good for him. <laughs> yes, I mean, he was on the paces. Dude. I loved him. Um, going into the next topic, I mean, that was like a little mini topic right there, a little mini segment. Um, a trade you like to see this offseason um, the, the offseason is about to I mean, it's about to start very soon. I mean, so we already saw the Kemba trade. Um, a trade you all can see this offseason. Let's hear it. Honestly, like, I, I don't know how realistic it is, but I want to see Bradley Beal leave Washington or at least like a superstar go to Washington, you know, because they have those two guys, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. But maybe if they could add like, See, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know, like, some of the big-name, like, free agents that they can get, like, traded there right now. It's really just Bradley Beal, like, and Zach Levine, Damian Lillard. Those are kind of, like, the big names on, like, the free agent list for me this summer. But mainly, mainly like, a Bradley Beal or Washington trade for me. I was honestly – I was thinking about this. I think, I think I saw this summer, but I was thinking about this. Like, Colin Sexton to the OKC Thunder. Thoughts on that? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I've been seeing that. Where Colin Sexton and Shea become the next backcourt, you know, do it. What thoughts on that, Alex? I mean, let me hear your thoughts on that. No, man. I he doesn't want it. Colin Sexton trick y'all, man. <laughs> He's putting <laughs> up. I had, a, I had a conversation. I had a conversation with a guy on Twitter um, earlier today, and we were talking about Colin Sexton. And I, and I do not think Colin Sexton is a bad basketball player by any means. And I don't think he is going to be like a bad basketball player. I think he'll have probably a pretty good career. 
I'm not ready to put a lot of stock in him yet because if you look at what he did this year, he put up volume scoring stats on a bad team. Not saying they're empty stats, but I mean, he really was the first option there. He's really the only one doing any scoring. So while he was efficient, yes, it's scoring for a bad team. He's just out there pretty much doing whatever he wants. He is, a, I mean, according to the stats, he is a good uh, three-point shooter, but he really doesn't attempt that many, and he's primarily like a finisher and uh, more of like an inside-the-arc shot creator. He's actually really efficient, which is crazy. He is very efficient, absolutely. I don't disagree, but I'm not ready. If if we have to give up assets, like a lot of assets to get Colin Sexton, I do not want him because – I have concerns about how much of this is real and how much of this will translate to a team that has uh, goals of contending for a championship because having Colin Sexton is great. If you're a terrible team or if you're like a very fringe playoff team and you just need to add a bucket to your team, but outside of scoring Colin Sexton does not do a lot else very well. He is a bad defender despite the effort that he gives. (laughs) Uh, He's not a good defender. He can't really rebound. He isn't a particularly good playmaker at all. His assist to turnover ratio is horrible. I think it's one of the worst in the league um, for someone who gets at least 30 minutes a game or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, as an OKC fan, I don't really care to have Colin Sexton on my team. (laughs) It sounds great and all, but, like, yeah, I, I I think in the beginning of the podcast, when we first started, we were, like, I think the Cavs were like 4-0 and or something. I forgot what it was. They were like 4-0. We were like, bro, class isn't going crazy. Bro, he's, really averaging, like, he's averaging like 28 points per game through like the first 15 games. Yeah, and we were like, bro, he's he's taking the next step. Like the Cavs are going to, you know, make the playoffs. But reality yeah, came in. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time writing him off yet just because we saw what Devin Booker has been able to do transitioning from that at like empty stats score, even though, yeah, he like was able to do more than Colin Sexton, like is like at an earlier age and stuff like that. I still feel like he needs like his shot to prove himself like on a team. And like, honestly, scoring, scoring is like, honestly, always going to be the main part of basketball. You can play and make as much as you want. You can rebound. You can defend as much as you want. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting buckets. And if, like, he's great at getting buckets, like we saw this year, you can score, like you said, like 24, 25 points on efficiency. Like, he could honestly be, like, a Lou Williams, if not better that's, type I was player. So I think that. that's – I think his, like, perfect role, if you could have a perfect role for Colin Sexton, is six-man. I saw that, too. Yeah, exactly. And score, but there's always going to be a need for scoring. So I think it's just all about what team. Like it's 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 the same thing with like Ben Simmons. I think that Ben Simmons is going to be a good player in the league. Still, it's just fit. You know, it's fit. He'll he'll be a power forward. He should be a power forward. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Will he will he be? Is the main question. I think honestly, Colin Sexton. I think he needs to stop thinking he's a point guard. Um, I think the team also needs to stop thinking him as a point guard and treat him as a shooting guard. Because that's what he's best at scoring. And like, if he gets to, like, a true point guard, because Darius Garland isn't a great playmaker either. So, like, they don't have, a, like, a true playmaker on that team that, like, you know, can make plays for others. So, it's, like, two shooting guards trying to play point, and it's, like, it doesn't work out well. And, like, Jared Allen, I think Alex and me talked about I mean, We had this little discussion about Clint Capella or whatever. And, like, I think Jared Allen is, like, 
he's also being underutilized because nobody can like throw him lobs like that. Because he's also he's a great lob threat. Oh, dude, so good. And Sexton and Garland both aren't playmakers. So I think the Cavs should look for like a like I think I saw Jalen Suggs as like a huge target for them if they do trade Colin Sexton. Which honestly I wouldn't. I mean, I, I thought maybe OKC, but as I, 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 I said, Sexton, do you guys think Sexton has a lower ceiling than Garland? What do you guys think about I think, that? I think him and Garland probably have pretty similar ceilings. I would probably put Colin Sexton's just a little bit higher. Like, Interesting. I think Colin Sexton has the ability to be like, even if he's not like making deep runs in the playoffs, just based on his scoring alone, like he could probably win, get into a few all-star games. Uh, to me, uh, Darius Garland is going to like probably cap out at like, an 18, five and five guy, if I had to guess. Like that's really? eight, maybe 18, five and seven. Um, like probably like around what DeJounte Murray's ceiling probably is. Like good defenders probably uh can shoot the ball fairly decent. They'll be able to play make for you and run your point guard position, but they're not gonna be they're not gonna be the focal points of your offense. For me, honestly, I think I, I saw like I was reading on the Cavs, I think Reddit page, and they were like talking about how Garland's like ceiling is so much higher than Sexton, so that's what they're willing to trade Sexton. And they also feel like uh, Garland's potential is it's like how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were like weathered down because Ky- uh, because of Kyrie Irving. They're saying that Garland is being weathered down because of Sexton being so ball dominant. So I look, you think Garland could. I'm not saying he's gonna be a superstar or anything, but I think he could be a, a much better player than uh, Sexton. Because Sexton, he even though he's efficient, he just seems like he's only numbers, which is sad. Because he's he plays his heart out. Which is uh, that's like the, what I hate, like uh, what I hate to say. Like, because honestly, I love Sexton. I like I like that he play, puts his all into the game, like how Westbrook does. But it's just and just not winning style right now. For me, I feel like Garland like definitely has much more of a, like uh, potential as a playmaker and facilitator. Yeah, like, he's kind of like showing some flashes that like back in Vanderbilt when he was still like a raw prospect and stuff. And like his three point shooting might be like better than Sexton's, but I do think that like Sexton is going to be a better overall player. Just like like we said, like off his scoring alone, you know, uh, you know Sexton like he he he's a pretty good shooter. He's always been like shoot like he's always been a good shooter. That's always kind of been like. I feel like the premises of his game, just because he is kind of undersized and is not as good of a passer. But yeah, yeah just definitely his scoring, I think, just puts him above Garland, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I think Garland is slightly because I, I just think he's, he, I, he's been, I think he's been weathered down. Like his, we haven't seen his true potential because of, I think, the ball dominance by Colin Sexton. Um, going to the last topic of the day, uh, Potential trade is another trade topic, honestly. Potential trades into the top five of the NBA draft. The draft is coming up. Um, a lot of promising prospects. Cade Cunningham is one of them. It's a lot of hot topics around him. You know, if he's, you know, good or not. Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, you know, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, uh, you name it. Uh, do you think there's any teams that can move into the top five and potential trades that you like to see? So... This is a. I'm glad that we're talking about this topic. There is a Thunder insider that I, him and I interact a lot on Twitter. Um, and he knows uh, another Thunder insider who got tipped off to some information. And I don't know if you guys saw it. It didn't get a ton of attention from anyone who's like 
outside of the like OKC sphere of interaction. So like it wasn't a huge story, but this guy tweeted who he got tipped off to some information. And he said, do not be surprised if you hear Detroit's number one overall pick and OKC sending a record number of draft picks to Detroit for the number one overall pick. Apparently Sam Presti from what this guy shared on the, uh, after this was posted, this guy was like aggregating it and sharing it and uh, like referring to his source and everything. He, he got on a Spotify green room and I went in there and was uh, listening to him and he was like, yeah, it sounds like Sam Presti is like willing to throw the farm at getting a top one or two pick because I think, I think, OKC sees Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley as like potential franchise guys. Like Cade Cunningham is going to make a difference for day one. Evan Mobley will probably need some level of development. I think he'll be good day one, but I think he'll need some level of development before he becomes like a superstar. Like I personally think he's capable of, but I would not be surprised one bit, one bit if OKC ends up with a top two pick. We have the assets for it. It's just a matter of, is another team going to accept, you know, basically a new lease on their future uh, in exchange for one of these picks? This, yeah. I was about to say, and that's like kind of the hardest thing is because at the end of the day, those are just future picks and they own, they are owned by teams that are going to be good for like the next couple of years. So it's honestly, how valuable do you think those picks are? And honestly, how willing are you to like pass up the chance at getting like the franchise cornerstone? Like you said, like uh, Cade Cunningham is like the obvious number one guy. People are comparing him to Luca, which is like obviously a little lofty, but you know, yeah. those comparisons are out there. At the same time, those comparisons are that people are saying like Evan Mobley is not far off from Cade. So those top two picks are obviously going to be like the most coveted. So it, it would make sense why Sam Preston would, would be willing to throw that many picks. Personally, if I were the Pistons or the Rockets, I would probably pass up on that. Just because, like I said, those picks to me are just like, you know, picks owned by the Lakers and the Nets, teams with superstars right now, you know, and it's the, the, the superstars aren't going to be there like, you know, for the next five, 10 years. But just for the foreseeable future, I don't think that's going to be a very good payout, especially for a team like the Pistons, who are actually like pretty damn close to being something. They have two first team all rookies with Sadiq Bay and uh, Isaiah Stewart, who are going to be pretty decent, you expect. Uh, they still have Killian Hayes, who came on strong at the end of the year. So, honestly, if I were the Pistons, I would just stick with that number one overall pick just because I think trading away, you know, Cade Cunningham is just a little too risky. I, I think there's two things I have to say to that. First, I don't think the Pistons would trade away the first pick just because I think, like, I don't know if you guys saw, like, the video of Cade Cunningham reacting to the uh, the Pistons winning the lottery. Like, he, like, a player that wants to be on the Pistons, like, I would like, like you gotta yeah. go for it. you gotta get that player. Like honestly, like you have to get that player. Like it's like there's no issue about it. And uh, what's the number two thing? I was gonna say something else. Real quick, I wanna I want to address that really quick. Oh okay. Because I don't want to I don't want to miss out on this. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about how like excited Cade Cunningham is to go to Detroit and blah <laughs> blah blah. I take all that with the tiniest smallest most minuscule microscopic grain of salt in the world 
because these players, especially the ones at the top end, like the Zion Williamson's of the world, they are relentlessly media trained. I guarantee you Cade Cunningham has a PR team that is coaching his every single move. So him saying that he's excited to go to Detroit, he may be telling the truth, but I do not believe it for one second. I think he's probably like, okay, well, I have to make a good impression and, you know, be strategic about this. Like Zion Williamson was like, do you really think Zion Williamson was excited to go to new Orleans? Sorry, Pelicans fans. Sorry, Detroit fans. But like, there's no way these guys are excited to go to New Orleans and Detroit are not the same at all. New Orleans is that franchise that's always just been at the bottom of the water. Whereas, you know, Detroit is Detroit at the end of the day. They're always going to be in the Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Detroit has like amazing history in the NBA. It's just like right now, like these teams are really bad. It's different than like. Say you get drafted to New York with the number Brooklyn or New York with the number one overall pick, or Miami with the number one overall pick, or Sacramento, Golden State, or LA with the number one overall pick, or even places in Texas with the number one overall pick. It's like, no offense, Max. I know you're. I know you're from (laughs) Detroit. (laughs) Who really wants to go to Detroit? Like, that's a, that's a, it's, it's, not, it's not the best place I to live it, in the world. It. It's not Chicago. It's not New York by any means, but we've, we've got the passion and the history. I agree. That's I 100% what, agree. I'm just saying the point that I'm trying to make is that no, anytime, I, I, I understand that. anytime one of these players is like, I'm really excited about the possibility of being drafted to the X team, it's like you're saying what your PR team is telling you to say, and that's it. That's oh, right. That's Oh, no, I, and, I'll, I, and I'll say that oh, real quick. I'll say the same for OKC. No one wants to get drafted to OKC. So I'll do, I'll do a little self burn here. I'm right there with you. you know, I understand. I feel like Cade might like honestly want to like stay in home. Like he went to Oklahoma state. So like I could kind of see I him kind of uh, wanting to stay in Oklahoma, go to OKC. I, actually, I was wondering, uh, the second thing I was going to say was Alex, I saw you were like, you were like saying that Cade might be low overrated and stuff. Would you would you be okay with trading away a bunch of picks to go get K now, even though you were like, eh, I don't really like him like that. He's uh, out of. I mean, thoughts? people people have been. This has been a very contentious topic lately, um, and I've been standing by it pretty hard. Uh, I think Cade Cunningham is going to be a very good NBA player. I don't think his ceiling is as high as people think it is. Um, in my personal opinion. I don't think Cade Cunningham has this superstar generational talent. I'll I'll, I'll say he maybe has superstar potential, but I do not think he's a generational talent. Uh, I think that term gets thrown around way too much. And like the Luca comparisons, like Luca is a generational ball handler and playmaker. Uh, He is an incredible shot creator. Cade Cunningham he doesn't have like a quick first step. He's not particularly great at creating his own shot. He doesn't really have an incredible handle. And obviously you can develop all these things. He's still incredibly young, but Luca came into the league with these things. Luca is a generational talent. Giannis, Jokic, they're both generational talents. Cade Cunningham, I think it's very premature to label him as a generational talent right now. The biggest thing with Kate, I, I, I notice is I don't see anything elite about him. Like, I don't see anything that, like, jumps off the charts 
for me. Like, I just see he's very good at a lot of things. But I don't think anything, I don't see anything that, like, literally, I look at him, like, that's a that's a number one pick right there. Like, that, like I don't see, like, a first overall pick, like, a, like a for sure first overall pick. Maybe this is a hot take, but I low-key think Jalen Green has a higher potential. Low-key. That's that's kind of always been the that's that's the biggest thing with Jalen Green is how high his potential is because all those things that Cade lacks kind of like like you said that go to ability which is also a big knock on Jalen Suggs the fact that he really doesn't yeah. stand out he, yeah exactly uh, but Jalen Green it, like he's just got this potential to be this otherworldly scorer with elite athleticism and you know like people think he's going to project on the defensive end as well mm-hmm. you get like he's already like you know got all this at 18 he's one of the youngest players in the draft he was like already getting that G League experience and stuff so honestly like it, it probably wouldn't be too crazy to say that he has like the most potential in this draft just because like you said he's already got those skill sets he knows what he's going to do he's got some you could he get NBA players in the G League yeah, exactly. He's yeah. definitely not that experience that Cade doesn't have. Definitely. I also will say this. If OKC somehow managed to get the number one overall pick, I would not be upset if OKC drafted uh, Evan Mobley over Cade with the first overall pick. I think it's fair. Because I, 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 think, I think he fits us better in terms of like, Cade and Shea are both going to want to have the ball in their hands. Yep. Not sure how well that would work. With Evan Mobley, you're getting – you have Shea now with a front court piece, which I think is really intriguing because we haven't really seen him with one yet, like at all, ever. So I can't wait for the day that Shea has a center to work with because that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Shea is such a good defender and such a good facilitator that you're going to have those like two defensive like needs, you know, the center and the point guard to like guard the, or the wing defender and like the center to lock down the paint. Like you need those. Shea can be that. Evan Mobley could easily be that. And them in the pick and roll would just be dirty. And the fact like Evan Mobley, he's, he's going to project to have like a bit of a pick and pop game, whether it's just within the mid range or out to the three. Yeah, no, that would definitely be a crazy tandem for the future. I've been seeing like the OKC, like every mock draft I've looked at, they they go for Scotty Barnes. Um, yes. But what, the biggest thing I've noticed about Scotty Barnes is like people are like people are saying his potential, like scoring wise, isn't that great. Like he's gonna be like a Draymond type player, like maybe give you like a clean like 10, 15, uh, seven and seven. Are, are you okay with he's, that, Alex? He's just like from what I the research I've done on Scotty Barnes and again I mentioned this before we started I'm not very well versed on people outside of the top five um I think Scotty Barnes is kind of just looked at as like he's gonna be a solid NBA player but that's about it like he's not gonna be a star he's not gonna be you know a go-to guy on a team like you said he's gonna be like a Draymond type player obviously that's like Draymond is one of the greatest defenders of all time and one of the greatest, you know, role players of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, Multi-time all-star, two-time defensive player of the year, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Scotty Barnes is just going to be like a very smart player. He'll play good defense. But yeah, like scoring-wise, he's not going to be able to get you. And when you're a team like the Thunder, you can't afford right now to be drafting guys like that. Like you need to swing for the fences. You You need to start stockpiling like really, really good players or like guys with really, really high potential. That's why we got Poku in the last draft because we didn't get him because Poku's a good player right now. We got him because we're going to play his butt off 
and hope that he reaches his potential to either trade him away or have him a part of our franchise. There are guys who were picked later than Poku who are way better than Poku is right now, but we're banking on his potential. So like guys like Scotty Barnes, yeah, he will help us like now just like improving as a team. But the question is like, how good is he going to be? And I don't see that being, Yeah, I I would rather, I would rather go on like a, go like out on a limb for a guy who like has really high potential, but I don't know. No, you're definitely right about that. The fact that, you know, they're in the, they're in the position to trade up and get like a, the franchise cornerstone, either the Cade Cunningham, the Evan Mobley, the Jalen Green, the fact that they're in that position, they should totally like take advantage of that. But like personally, I think Scotty Barnes might be a little underrated on the offensive side. Like I've watched like a, a bit of his game. I'm a huge Florida, like my family have Florida state ties. So like I watched oh, a lot of, sure, okay. I've watched like some of his highlights and stuff. I definitely think that offensively he projects, I think he's going to be better than Draymond green. I don't think he's going to be as limited as green is. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. I, I, yeah. But, wise, yeah. Definitely. It's definitely going to be hard to match that, you know, that, that winning mentality, that great, like green, honestly, like that winning mentality kind of just makes who he is as a player, you know, he wouldn't do half the things if he wasn't him, you know, but his, his defense is also a little too lofty to live up to. But honestly, I think Scotty Barnes, like outside of the top five, honestly, I, I would argue, honestly argue like taking him over Jonathan Kaminga. I'm not a huge fan of Kaminga just because I think he's a little slower. I don't think he's going to be. Some people think that he has Jalen Brown potential, but like personally, exactly. I, I just kind of see him more as a, like an undersized big man. But I just don't think he's going to be like that. So, personally, I, I think you could take Scotty Barnes at five instead of Kaminga. But I don't think that he'd be a bad pick. But OKC definitely would be in their best interest to move up. Yeah. Yeah. This, okay, I just want to say these – I always name two players that I think are just going to, like, be, like, underdogs. Like, they're, they're going to go lower. They're going to be lower in the lottery. But they're going to, like – go. I think they're going to go crazy. James – I don't want to say his last name. Book Book Booknight. He is – he has top five potential, in my opinion, scoring wise. I like him, yeah. Scoring, and yeah. then uh, Moses Moody, I actually like him a lot too. Dude, Moses Moody's he's he's climb. I think he's going to be a lottery pick. I think he's no, yeah. I want him on the Pacers. Time. We have thirteen. I really want him. Moses Moody's been like top ten projected all year for the most part. Like he's yeah. going to be like the best three and D player in this draft, is what most people think of him. I, I want him to be honest, and he, I think he has more potential than that. I wouldn't like, be mad if, if if we kept the sixth overall pick. I wouldn't even be mad if we drafted Moses Moody because he's yeah, like he's. My opinion of him has risen a lot. Yeah, I've been watching him a lot. He's he's actually really impressive. Uh, those those two players, I'm like saying like they have. I think they look could. I'm not saying maybe they're gonna be better than K Cunningham or anything, but like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if we look at five years later, James Booknight and or uh, Moses Moody are the best players from this draft. I think there's a lot of guys that are probably going to go lottery, like late lottery, who are, I think there are guys who have the potential to be like, there's a shot that they could be the best players from their draft. Like, I think there is higher upside in some of these later lottery guys Mm -hmm. than people are giving them credit for. But again, like I said, I don't know a ton about this draft class. I'm (laughs) just kind of like at a glance. Like reading the Rangers yeah, draft I, guide and stuff. I, I kind of look at this draft very similar to last year's draft. How it has a lot of players, 
where if like, you know, they're in the right position, they get drafted to the right teams, they could like mold out like a great career for themselves that you weren't expecting. But like, honestly, like there's still players in this draft that I think have like a lot of upside, like that you wouldn't think about, like Corey Kispert, Franz Wagner. They're all really, really players. Yeah, Franz I think Wagner, I think Franz Wagner is I think he's going to shock a lot of people. Yeah, he's a he great will- defender. He's a good shooter. He can make some plays for himself offensively. I think Corey Christmas like Joe Harris part two. I don't know. I, I don't think his potential is that high, though. That's why I don't like him that much. But still, a Joe Harris, if you have a shooter like that on your I, team, that's fair, that's fair. any team could use that. Uh, but my, all the, my other sleeper pick is Josh Giddy um, in Australia. Dude, he has really good playmaking. And he's, I think, 6'7". I'm not saying he's like Luke or anything, but like he like has like that – like six seven PG like point forward type point deal. forward cut in him and I would I would want him too on the paces like just because his potential yeah I, I just want to put out some names so like you know if they do become superstars I can say I was right so <laughs> I just want to make sure it's recorded and everything but um uh, nobody has anything else to say I think that'll end our podcast for tonight um hope everyone did enjoy for listening this far um yep see you peace peace.